Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. Hey, um, there's a lot going on. Uh, if you saw the advertisements and women's retreats, men's retreats, we got a baptism coming, this week's prayer and fasting. But today is Palm Sunday. I don't know if you recognize that. It's the week before Jesus goes to the cross. It's, it's our Passion Week. So I want you to be mindful of that. But I want to bring something to the church that, uh, guys, there are things that are in our lives that sometimes that are 911s. We have a 911 situation right now. Let me tell you what it is. Many, I, I know many have been aware of the war that's been going on in Ukraine and Russia and what's been happening. Um, well, many of the refugees are being now flown into Mexico border. There's thousands of them on the Mexico border. And what's going on is now they're coming across to the U.S. And we get an opportunity to service some of the refugees for, for a bit. And we're, we're going we're gonna, to... Right after Easter, we look like we're going to open up our Lemon Grove campus to bring some of the refugees in that need transition. They're going to come in. They're going to stay with us. Um, we're going to get some clothes. We're going to feed them, clothe them. They're going to, we're, going to to re, we're trying to relocate uh, families, situations, all that. And, and with that said, um, we're going to need your help. We might need you just to hang with kids. We might need you to help give food. We might help to give whatever it is. It's going to be a 24-hour. They're going to live there for like three to five days and more, come in, and we help them find families. We do that. And um, I'm just wanting to, first of all, put it as a prayer request that, God, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? Because I don't know if you watched, I just read an article this morning of the war and how it's ravaging the people. People are literally coming across the border with just the clothes on their back. And so we're, we as a church are going to be able to service some of the refugees coming over. And uh, so I just, um, I'm just throwing that out. Say, hey, man, you'll, you'll hear more. Just sign up. You could come, even if you get an hour, whatever it might be, um, to help us. We have our Lemon Grove campus that we have. That's where we're going to be housing them right after Easter. We're get, we're, it's kind of like a, we're hearing the information that we're going to respond. There's, there's like no program yet. <laughs> It's kind of like, we're going to come, we're going to do it, we're going to serve, and that's just, I always tell our staff, blessed are the flexible. We've got to be flexible as a church, we've got to move where God's moving, and this is where we're moving. And so I just want to let you know what's going on. So you hear more um, as we lay it out there, and we'll communicate um, how you could come. And there's actually going to be a website you can go to to sign up and say, hey, I want to help at this campus. There's other churches that are opening up their, their churches and doing the help too. There's over 3,000 that I know of already in the south side of Mexico, and they're already coming. They're coming over hundreds at a time. And so we just want to be mindful of that. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're continuing on with uh, the study through the Gospel of John as we've been doing a sermon series called Believe, which is really the, the focus and the main word describing the whole Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 4, looking at verses 27 to 42. We're continuing on where we left off. And so it's Bridges, Not Barriers, part two. And we're going to continue on the story with the Samaritan woman as we begin that story last week. I love to watch movies, and one of the movies Julie and I watched was The Hobbit. And if you ever watch The Hobbit, it's a trilogy, right? And it's, it's, and it's a very long movie. They're like three-hour-long movies, right, if you, you sat down to watch The Hobbit. And, and the thing about the story is about these hobbits, they were on a journey, and they were trying to defeat evil, basically. 
And if you watch the movie, at the end of the movie, they always leave you with a cliffhanger, right? They leave you with that place where like, oh, what happened? Like, what, what, what? You, and it pressures you to want to play the next three-hour movie. You know what I mean? Because you want to figure out what's happening next. It, it leaves you in suspense. It leaves you in a place where like, oh, I, I want to see the next one. Last week, we looked at the, being look at the story of the Samaritan woman, and we left you with a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was this, that Jesus basically said to the Samaritan woman, I'm God, I'm the Messiah. Boom, drop mic. That's the cliffhanger. That, that's where he left us last week. And so we're going to continue on with the story uh, this morning. This is where we're going to pick it up, right? This is part two of the story, the Samaritan woman's story. What is happening? We find Jesus at the well with a Samaritan woman. He's having a, a conversation, and his conversation is really filled with grace, right? She was troubled by his presence and conversation, being that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. We, we studied a little bit that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. In fact, Jews thought Samaritans as dogs. They, they just didn't care for them. They, there, there was some issues going on with their... But I find it interesting. The title of this, this story we know as the Samaritan woman. The story acknowledges her ethnicity and her gender. Because what is about to happen is about to turn Samaria upside down. Or should we say right side up? Right? A woman is going to testify of who Jesus is. And in a culture, in this culture, the women's testimony was invalid. But the first person that Jesus came to in Samaria was a woman to do the work in this area. God often uses the least of these and the marginalized to do his work. Let's read the story, continue on. We're going to be at verse 27 to 42. It says this, it says, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek and why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to them, come, See a man who told me all things that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying, for in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the words of the woman who testified, he told me all that I'd ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Lord, we pray for the reading and the hearing of your word this morning. Father, you said that there's a blessing that comes in the hearing and the reading. And so, Lord, I know there's a blessing coming for your people this morning because you promised that through your word. 
And I pray this morning that you open up our hearts and our minds to understand the truth of your word. And that, Father, this, this story is very relevant for us today. And so, Father, just make it plain and make it clear. We ask your spirit to speak this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Look at a couple of things this morning. Here's the first thing as we look at the story is that the Samaritan woman became the bridge builder. The Samaritan woman became the bridge builder, right? Very interesting. One encounter with Jesus transformed her life. One conversation, one moment of intimacy with God, she became a catalyst to be a bridge builder, right? That is the power of God's word. That God's word is transforming. It changes the See, I'm going to challenge you for those that are here. Maybe you're here for the first time or, or maybe you're coming or maybe you, you've never really done church or maybe you've never really come to church and that's not been your experience. This might be a very foreign thing as we sang and raised our hands and we worship God. And you're like, man, this is weird. <laughs> maybe this is not familiar to you. I'm sure when the Samaritan woman, the conversation with Jesus probably was uncomfortable. It probably was different. They, they, they were, were struggling with, but let me tell you something. <laughs> Sit and listen and trust me that the word of God is going to change you. It transforms you if you just let it do what it does. And, 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 and what here is this conversation transformed this woman because he's hearing the words of Jesus and the gospel in his simple form as being priests and it transformed her. Many of you have the same experience. You had a moment with Jesus and it transformed you. Carmelo, you had a moment with Jesus and it transformed you. Marissa, you had a moment with Jesus and it transformed you. Johnny, you had a moment with Jesus and it transformed you. And I know many in this room, I know you had a moment with Jesus and it changed you. And you can't even, when people say, what happened to you? You try to explain to it. And you look at, like the woman said, let me tell you about this man that knew everything about me, but he changed me. That's the power of the gospel. But in this process, it's messy. In this process, it can get a little messy because in the story, we see that it gets a little messy. Look at, look at here at verse 20, 20, 27 here in a moment here. Look at verse 27. What do you find the disciples coming on the scene, right? And Jesus has to deal with the disciples a, a moment here. And, 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 and the disciples we know had gone into so I got into the community and went to get some food for Jesus. That's why Jesus is hanging out at the well. Well, they're coming back from the city as Jesus outside of Jacob's well with the Samaritan. And they come really walking in on a conversation. The end of the conversation, right? And the disciples were shocked by what they saw. Look at 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he had talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Right? The disciples had gone on a food run. Maybe they stopped in an In-N-Out in the local scene, bringing some food in, right? They're, they're carrying all this food. There's not all the 12 disciples. They haven't got all of them yet. There's probably six of them coming, and they're walking in with their food, right? Right? That chicken, right? Right? Right, Franklin, the chicken? And they come in on the tail end of the conversation. And they're like, whoa, what's going on here, Right? They're kind of shocked. They're kind of amazed. In fact, it says they were amazed. It says they marveled. In fact, the word marveled can be translated as they were amazed, bewildered, and shocked. It, it kind of caught them off guard. Like, whoa, what is Jesus doing talking with this woman? Because in that culture, rabbis did not talk with women. 
They only talked with men. Remember, back says, go get your husband, she said, because customary, the rabbi would talk to the man more than she would talk to the woman because that wasn't the custom of the day. And so they're kind of blown away. What is Jesus doing here, right? And in their own hearts, they're processing this, right? They, they didn't say it out with their words. How many of you guys have ever done that? You have your mind, you're thinking you want something you want to say, but you don't say it. <laughs> well, that's what's happening. And the disciples are like, what are you talking with this woman? What, what, are, you, what are you doing, right? And they didn't have the nerve to, to ask him. I think what was going on here, they knew that Jesus was always up to something. And they trusted him that, oh, this must be something new. Because <laughs> Jesus is always doing these crazy things that are unorthodox and, and going against the tide and going against the flow of things, right? And what do you see? Jesus is just modeling love. He's modeling evangelism. He's modeling how we have relationship with one another. That's what they're watching, right? And yet the disciples were having a little hard time with it. What they just saw, what they just witnessed, right? They had, they had their own walls built up. They had their own views about the women. They, they, and, they, and they were culturally Jews, so they, they, were, they had all that playing and how they grew up and what they seen. Guys, where we live and how we grew up and, and our backgrounds have a lot of impact on how we see the world. Your homes, your neighborhoods has influence on how we see things. So the disciples are here, and they're seeing it through their lens, right? And they were having some racial issues with the woman and some gender issues of her position in society. They were struggling with that. I wonder, I said last week, I wonder why Jesus sent them to get lunch so that he could have a one-on-one -on -one time with the woman so he wouldn't have been interfered with the racial tensions that maybe the disciples might have brought. Because you remember, you have to eventually go back to Acts chapter 10 where God's going to open up the world to the Gentile world but God had to take Peter in a dream and put him in a dream to help him understand his own racism. He had to break down his own walls before he could go to a centurion's home. And so this is the same Peter that's on the scene here. So, so, so they're all battling their, their own issues, right? Guys, let me tell you, we all have some form of racism and blindsight of our own lives. We're going to judge people by how they look, they dress, talk, or act, right? Why? Because we haven't built relationships with people that are different than us. And so we could easily make a, a judgment call. When you drive down the street and you see somebody on the, begging on the corner for, for money, right away you have a judgment call about that person. But you don't know their story. You don't know how they got there. You don't know the brokenness or what happened or, or anything. But we're easy to judge. Well, just get a job or they're lazy or, or whatever. We don't know their story. But by the grace of us, it could have been us that was on that corner. Man, we just, had, we just went through a season where people lost their jobs. People were living in their cars. There are a lot of things going on there. And so we're easy to make judgment when we're not in that situation. <laughs> so we have to be careful of our own blind spots, our own misjudgments, our own different things, right? But I believe this God had placed the disciples in Samaria. They came because he wanted to teach them something, right? He brought them to a community that was different than what they had experienced. It was different than what they think because he wanted to build bridges. He wanted to teach them what it means to build bridges. This woman is going to be instrumental in the furtherance of the gospel in that region. Next Sunday, I'm going to be looking at Mark 16, the Easter story, as we're going to look at another woman named Mary Magdalene, who God used for the gospel, who Jesus appeared for the first person was a woman who preached the gospel to the disciples who didn't believe, who should have believed. And we see this woman's going to have the same impact, right? And when this, after this conversation had happened, 
the woman's passion to share her experience with Jesus was blown up. Man. She had a passion to share with others. Look at 28 to 30. We're looking, it says this, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to them, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Notice the urgency of this woman, the passion of this word to, to share her story. In fact, it says she left her water pot. She went there to get water, had a conversation about living water, and then she left her water pot to go into the city to tell people about this man that she had just encountered. The water pot, that was was to hold water. Yet that moment in the conversation earlier, Jesus talked about the living water. You come to get water with this pot, but you're going to thirst again. Let me tell you, the water you drink, you'll never thirst again. See, this woman became the pot. She became the living water. She became the vessel by which God was going to overflow from her. But look at her boldness, right? She goes into a city, and who does she go to? So she went to the men. She told this. If you, if you see that here, it says that she dropped her and went into the city and said to the men. Very interesting. Remember, the men and women usually didn't talk to each other. Maybe she was more comfortable about men than she was with women. Maybe the women ostracized her because of who she was that she had been with five men and the one she was was not her husband. Maybe they were the judgment, even in their own neighborhood, they were bringing judgment on her. And yet she comes with boldness to proclaim this story about a man she met at a well and she went to these men. It took boldness to do that. She left her water pot to go. She left those things that might hinder her. I'm often think of the story of the man in the pallet who, just, who had been lame for many, many years named, named by the pull of Bethesda, who couldn't get up and Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made well? And he's like making excuses why he can't get, get well. And Jesus says, arise, take up your pallet and come follow me. Why did he say take up the pallet? Because he didn't ever want to go back to that pallet. God had begun to do a work in him. She left the, the pot because God has a greater work for her. What is it that's holding us? What is our pot in our life that we have to leap behind in order to move forward? What, what are those things in our life that we've, we've held on to that we put such value on that's holding us back? She left the pot that she could go proclaim who Jesus was. What was her message? Her message was very simple. Come and see. Come and see. He's telling that to the men. Did you notice that the men in the text, at least in my text in the King James, is a capital M? Maybe it's some religious leaders, maybe some leaders in the city. He emphasized with a capital M, right? Guys, this week is the Passion Week. Next week, we're going to be in the park celebrating Easter, worshiping in the park next week. And I want you to take, we have a bunch of cards here, flyers. I want you to take some today, give to your friends and say, come and see. Come and see. I want to introduce you to one that could change your life. Come and see what I have, right? Go into your neighborhoods. Go to invite your friends to next week's service so they could come and see. But I love it. I said that her words were very simple, right? This, movie, this woman had just met Jesus. This woman had attended Bible college. 
She had no theological training, but she knew enough to want to share Jesus with others. Just come and see. Come check it out. What do you got to lose? Just come check it out. Many of you who come to faith here, maybe you're all new in the faith this morning. I want to encourage you. It's okay to, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the theology, right? And in, in the sense of scripture, you don't have to have all this theology. You just got to say, look at what Jesus has did. Come and see. Because you don't need to know everything in order to share your faith. I remember when I got saved and I came down the mountain and I grew up in East LA. So I used to hang out in Sunset Strip because I played in bands. I used to go to the clubs down there. The Roxy and the, the Troubadour. I don't know if you guys know those sort of clubs back in LA. That's where all the big bands, Van Halen and all those big bands came out of. That's where I used to do that. I remember going down there and just say, let me tell you about Jesus. Come check it out. Because God had changed my life. And so I was just sharing with others. I didn't have a degree. I just was saved about a week. But I want to tell people about Jesus. Simple, simple things, right? This brief conversation that this woman had with Jesus transformed her. And you could even look at the process, right? They met and he called her, you're a Jew. You're a Jew. What are you talking with me? As the conversation went forward, he, the woman called her, sir, sir. You must be a prophet. You know all that I have. Oh, could this be the Christ? He's the savior of the world. Do you see the process of faith in this woman as she's having time with Jesus is just growing her in her understanding of who Jesus is. I, I submit to you, give it time so you could see who Jesus really is in your life. Oh, I believe in God. Now is, oh, I'm following God. And there's a difference. We see that playing out in the, in the story, right? And her message that she came, there was a response, right? Her simple two-sentence message, 18 words from this woman was a, shared, and there was a response from the city, right? What does that tell you about sharing? Just keep it simple and keep it short. Simple and short. And the city, when they heard, they went out to go meet with Jesus. The city, the, the Samaritan city that hated Jews, now was going to walk out of that city. I don't know if they closed down their shops. I don't know what they did. They called her, their families out. Hey, man, there's something happening out by, happening out by Jacob's well. We got to go check it out. And so they walked to go meet with Jesus, right? And so she was the bridge builder. Here's the second thing about bridge building. Jesus teaches on the work of bridge building. It takes work to bridge build. We see that in John 4, 31 to 38, right? Uh, many of you have kids, and when they're small, you'd go out to McDonald's or somewhere, and you get to order off the kid's meal, right? You know what I'm talking about? The kid's meal, the, the cheaper meal, and you buy them, and the nuggets, and the, all those things, and you give them the kid's meal, right? But when they grow up, they don't eat the kid's meal no more, <laughs> right? They get the Big Macs and all the big things with the extra fries and you know, do you want a jumbo combo, jumbo, everything? And now you're, 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 they're buying the, the, all the meal, right? And, and these kids will eat three Big Macs and they'll, they'll, I know I have a son and kids that just like to throw down this food and you're like, your bill just goes up, <laughs> right? You're like, dang, my grocery bill just went up. They're eating this house and all. And you would think when you see that happen, you would say, boy, boy, you have a, a healthy appetite with your kids, <laughs> Right? Let me tell you something. As we look at the story, Jesus is going to teach the disciples about what it means to have a spiritual, healthy appetite in the ministry. 
That's what he said. He said, let me teach you about what we're all about, right? See, because bridge building starts with an appetite, a desire, a hunger, right? Look at 31, 33. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to wonder, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, he's getting in this conversation, just like he talked about to the woman about living water. She didn't understand. She only thought about physical water. Now, he's going to talk about spiritual food, but they're going to only understand the physical understanding. We we brought food, Rabbi. We we brought something to eat for you. We got some in and out burgers for you. We we worked hard to go to the labor, and we went out, right? And so the disciples are offering Jesus a, a meal. But that meal wasn't going to satisfy Jesus. The meal of service was going to satisfy Jesus. We see that in verse 31 and 32, right? Yet the disciples are concerned about their rabbi, their, their father. They're concerned about his health and his needs. And there's nothing wrong with having needs for food. There's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus is going to redirect their priorities, right? There is something more that satisfies our need than just physical food. Serving and sharing with others is the bread of life and the living water is what we're all about. I know we've done in our church prior to COVID, we used to do mission trips around the world. We used to go to the DR and Mexico and all over and do work out there. We're going to continue back again doing those things as things have opened up. And I watch people that would go and we'd go down to communities and we would serve and do VBSs and do outreaches and, and we'd come back and debrief and they were so excited about what they had experienced. Why? Because they were doing the will of the God. They were doing the will of the Father. They were on mission their whole life. And then they come back and they stop that. We miss that, guys, we're always on mission with God. We're always serving because in that you find great joy. When you give yourself away, you find great joy. I wonder why Jesus said that if, if you lose your life, you'll find it, but you keep your life, you'll lose it. See, losing our life is giving ourselves a way to serve and help other people. That's where we find great joy. We got to give ourselves away That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. And in doing so, we find great peace and joy. We find purpose. We find meaning. We find these experiences, right? But the disciples didn't understand what what Jesus was saying. He didn't didn't understand their priorities. They're like, did somebody else bring him some food? Did somebody, we went in and out, but somebody brought him Cari Salparitos. Did we miss that? (laughs) Did we miss something here? You know what I mean? That was how we were thinking. And Jesus say, man, you don't even understand the food that I'm talking about. It's, go, it's going over, my conversation is going over your head. What I'm implying, you don't understand because he's spirit, speaking in the spiritual. He's speaking in the spiritual sense that people are not, they're not getting it. And these are guys who just started traveling. They saw great works. They saw, they were there with the miracle of Canaan and the, turning the, the water to the wine, right? They, they've already seen some things already. They saw the, the work of ministries and the baptism. They saw all these great things and yet they're still thinking on a natural level. But he wanted the disciples to know that life is more than those things, than eating and physical needs. Because man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? He goes, I have a dish, I have a food that, that you're not familiar with, right? Let me get you ready for this spiritual food, right? Guys, my challenge for you this week is that we're going in a week of prayer and fasting. What's that, Pete? What's that, Pastor? It's a time where we deny ourselves. 
There's a lot of things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways we can do it. Some of it's just straight fasting. I'm going to drink just water and probably juice all week and take time to pray. And we're going to come to church in the evening time and you're welcome to join us at six o'clock for one hour to come pray because the food that I eat is spiritual. Prayer and fasting is the idea that we set aside time more intentional to be with God. We read his word, we pray, uh, we call in the name of the Lord, and we deny. Maybe you're praying and fasting, my bitch, he's like, I'm going to watch TV all week. Or I'm going to jump off social media. Or I'm going I'm to replace that time with just seeking God. We're reading his word. Pick a gospel and read through it this week. Sit down and shut things out and sit back and listen. It's being intentional because, the, check this out. You remember when the disciples with Jesus, Peter, James, and John were Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and they saw Jesus in his glorified body. But when they came down the mountain, there was a father with the other disciples who was a demon, demon possessed and they were trying to cast out the demon and they couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus said, do you believe to the father? He goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he says, but why, didn't, why couldn't your disciples cast out the demon? And Jesus says, the only way this is going to be broken is by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. Guys, maybe you're in bondage. Maybe there's some things you need to change. Maybe there's some things you're holding out. Maybe there's some things that need to be broken that only prayer and fasting will break in your life. Maybe things your family's going through. Maybe there's some things, there, some addictions, or maybe there's some vices. Maybe there's some things in your life that can only be broken if you seek the face of God and he breaks those things in your life. That's, that's the power of prayer and fasting. That's the power of what we do this morning. And so I want to challenge you that you have an appetite for the Lord this week, right? Don't walk out. Don't, don't walk out and walk away from the table. Partake of the living bread, right? Jesus expressing this appetite was a heavenly appetite that we're to focus on these things, right? Jesus was so blessed when he saw the transformation of this woman. That satisfied him. That satisfied him in his heart, right? And so he's, Jesus is concerned, is concerned for both the physical and the spiritual. But here he's talking about the spiritual and Jesus is about fulfilling the will of God. It's about fulfilling the will of God. We see that in verse 34, right? His satisfaction came by his obedience to his father. That was his spiritual nourishment, right? He said, I came to fulfill the work of my father, right? The work that I do, right, is not to partake of this food, but different type of food. And that's how he was nourished. Maybe you're... The answers to your worries, anxieties, depression might just be looking at the interests of others before yourself, giving yourself away, right? And then he, he turns the conversation a little bit. Jesus, he's speaking to the disciples and he, he begins to talk about here that there's work that we have to do because bridge building is to labor in the harvest field. We see that in verse 35. 30. Now there's work to be done. We want this transformation, predicted about 35. Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps, he who reaps receive wages and gathers fruits for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying, one sows, another reaps. I said to you, I said, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Interesting. The disciples are coming. They're holding their food bags. 
Jesus talking about, I have another food. And then he, he quotes kind of a, a, um, a, a cultural proverb is what it was, right? In verse 35, that's what he does. He, he, in the quote, it's basically saying, yeah, don't rush it. Don't worry about the harvest. That was the mindset, right? That was what was going on, right? But Jesus, Jesus didn't want them to have that mindset. He wanted them to know that the harvest time was now. It wasn't in a couple of months from now. It wasn't four months away, right? Maybe in that moment, as he says that, he saw the city coming out toward him. Now is the time for harvest. As the people and the men from the city were coming out, right? Jesus would later say in Luke chapter 10 that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest as they were going to send out the 70 to go minister, right? And Jesus is using an agricultural term because that was an agricultural society in verse 35, right? This teaching probably took place around November, December, because the harvest time was around springtime, April. So he says, don't wait for months from now. The harvest time is now. We're planted seed, but we can see the whites of the harvest. We can see these things are ready, right? Look around and see. What do you see? No time to wait. No time to waste. The harvest is now. Guys, no time to waste. The harvest is now. The harvest now. We just did a mass mailing to this community. Pray for it. Four or 5,000 letters went out to invite to come and see this Sunday. Come and see. We're inviting our city. And, and, and guys, you have to say that there's a, a planting process that takes place. We want to plant seeds and we want to reap the fruit of the seed. We want to reap the harvest, right? The Bible talks about how we will reap a blessing for our labor. We will see the fruit of those we invest Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. Daniel 12.3 says, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And Jesus in this passage says, he who reaps receives a reward. There's a blessing that comes when we share. God has something special for us when we share him with others. And yet the disciples are still focusing on food. But what are we going to do with the in and outers? Right? They were still focusing on the food, but the food is eternal life for those who believe. And we get to rejoice when we see what somebody gets says, we get to rejoice with the angels when come to know and come to the faith. Because there's a party in heaven when come to the faith. But each of us have a part. Each of us have a part in sharing in the ministry and the gospel. We see that in verses 37 to 38. Some plant, some water, but some give the increase. Some believe that, that, that maybe John the Baptist's disciples were already in that region doing the work, and then Jesus comes. And he's capitalizing because it talks about others who had already begun to labor. It says, Some others had labored, it said in this, in this verse. There were others sharing about the kingdom before maybe Jesus came. We don't know their names. These are unknown servants, people who could have been listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. There are a lot of people we don't know the names that God's using to do the work in areas for the work. In fact, the word labor means to grow weary, tired, exhausted, to toil or burden or grief. Many of you have come to faith, but there have been others in your life who have labored in the ministry so you can come to faith. Those people who tearfully prayed for you, who shared with you, who helped you in your time of need in the Lord, they served you so you could see the love of Jesus. Psalm 126.5 says, and 
5 and 6 says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. There's a blessing, right? And now I close, guys, with this, this last thought. Bridge builders point people to Jesus. Bridge people point people to Jesus. We see that in verses 39 to 42. A.B. Simpson said this, tells rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that the judgment of the guilty may be revoked, the condemnation of sinner canceled, the curse of the law blotted out, the gates of hell closed, the portals of heaven opened wide, the power of sin subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the brokenhearted comforted, the sorrow and the mystery of the fall undone. That's the power of the gospel, right? Her story, her story converted people. We see that in 39 to 40. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the words of the woman who testified. He told me all that I had ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. They knew what this woman was like before she met Jesus. So her story must have been very powerful. It must, it must have been an anointed word. It must have been empowered by God because many believed in that sinny. She already had a fruitful ministry within an hour too. God was already bearing fruit in her life. That's the radical transformation of a woman. He knew, he knew everything about me, right? Is it possible to win a city for the gospel? Absolutely. But you know what hinders it? The church's unbelief. The church's unbelief. Is the gospel that powerful that it can change people? Absolutely. It changed this woman, right? Why? She shared the gospel message because she knew that she was loved. She knew that she was loved by this man, right? That was her message was so powerful. He told me everything I did and still talked to me. God knows everything about us. He knows what we do in our darkness. He knows what we do in our thinking. He knows what we do, and he still loves us. He still loves us, right? He loves you when he knows everything you have done. That's what the woman said. Maybe, she didn't, maybe Jesus didn't even begin to touch on the other things she had did, just on that one thing. Her list might have been long, just like our lists are long. We have a laundry list, and God has read our laundry list, and God loves us anyways. That's his mercy and his grace, that God's grace is sufficient. That's why we call on him, right? And when this big process begins to happen and this movement is happening, something's happening in the city. Verse 40, what happens? It, it says that, that they wanted Jesus to stay. They wanted Jesus to stay for two days. Like this movement was so powerful, it brought peace to the city. It brought shalom to the city, right? The, at, at the invitation of the woman, they all came to see Jesus. She went out and did flyers too. <laughs> right? And that tension, that hostility that was there is gone. Is, is racial reconciliation possible? Yes. Can we break down the barriers, erase them, and that it would be erased? Yes. Why? Because Jesus becomes the common denominator. Jesus is the one who broke down the walls of hostility. Jesus is the one who changes the heart of man. 
Jesus is the one who transforms us. That's why racial reconciliation can happen if Christ is the center of it. And gender description and, and, and all that goes on. It wasn't a racial educational class that she had to go to for three weeks. It was Jesus and his love that broke down the dividing walls. I love our church. Look at the people around this room. Every tribe, tongue, and nation is represented as a room because of the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, we have blind spots. Yeah. I can misjudge you sometimes. But God is working me day by day, just like he's working in you day by day. God is transforming us day by day. And because of that, we can reach out to a neighborhood that's so diverse that they would hear the gospel, right? I know he spent time in Judea baptizing and, and ministering to that. I'm sure now two days later, he's sharing and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And it says many more came, right? Her story converted people. His story convinced people. He solidified the faith. He sealed the faith. We see that as we close this morning. It says this, and many more believed because of his own words. They, then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is deed is the Christ, is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. There's their confession, right? Many believe the testimony of the woman, but many more believed in Jesus' words. The power of God's word. I think the woman was in the gathering ministry. She was gathering people. Some of you have that gift just to gather people and you invite people and they come and hear the word and then Jesus teaches through the word and he disciples people and he pours into them that they would be followers of Jesus. And I think that's what's happening here. That they're, they're, they're oh yeah, there's something happened to this woman, I'm gonna learn. They come to Jesus, they believe that now Jesus is pouring more into them so they can grow and learn and say, and their conclusion to all this as they were there for two days is, we summing up, man. He's the savior of the world. Look at the broadness of the vision. Not he's the savior of Samaria. He's the savior of the world. He's the savior of every time trying a nation. He's the savior of everybody that's going to happen here. That's the broadness of the gospel. For Romans 1, 6 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Whosoever believes. That's the power of the gospel. And they're saying, we are convinced. We are convinced by this, this, this word that Jesus gives us. So what is it that you need to be convincing in this morning? What is this going to convince you that he's the savior of the world, right? John would later write at the end of his life in the epistle of John, John, 1 John 4.14, he says, we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. And the work of Jesus' disciples were also preparing for another great revival in that area. Because when you look at the history of the church and you go to chapter 8 of the book of Acts, Philip goes out there and shares the gospel in Samaria. A great revival takes place. And then Peter and John come back out to help him to do the work in that same neighborhood. So they're even laying ground for more work to be done later. But others that would come to follow him, that later John and James, who are at this place right now, will be coming later to see more work done in that community. 
And so John 4 is giving more preparation for Acts 8. If you study your Bible. So I close with these thoughts this morning. They were to partake of communion. We are bridge builders with our testimony. We tell people about what God's done. Come and see. Come and see what God's done in my life. We are bridge builders by just telling and sharing our story. Guys, we are bridge builders when we serve in the ministry, when we labor and we tear, we give ourselves away. When we're helping others. Next week, we're going to need your help setting up. Or we're going to need these things going on. When the, when the Ukrainian refugees comes, we're going to need your help to help the least of these. You know, if you read Matthew 25, here's your homework. Go back and read Matthew 25 today when you go home. This says when you take and you, when it, it tells, the Bible commands us to do three things in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Take care of the stranger, take care of the widow, and care for the poor, which is the orphans. It's the homeless kids. Why do we take care of homeless kids in our shelter? Because Jesus commanded it. Be mindful of the things. If you look at that passage, if you don't do this, judgment sits on you. I'm not going to scare you. Go read Matthew 25. That's a judgment passage about when you stand before God. Why do we open up and help in our church, Ukrainians? Because Jesus said to do it. Jesus said to do it. So bridge builders, when we serve in ministry, lastly, we are bridge builders and point to Jesus. We're pointing people to Jesus. We're not pointing people to a church. We're not pointing people to a denomination. We're pointing people to Jesus. You're not saying I'm Catholic or a Baptist or I'm Episcopal or I'm Lutheran. No, we're believers. We're followers of Jesus. We're pointing them to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We, we pray, Lord, for this week. We pray for the work that you're doing in your people. Lord, I pray that, God, you would move mightily. And, Lord, I pray that people would sit and hear your word. Father, they don't want to walk away from your word because they're going to miss out. That they would stay and abide in your word and they would be blessed. I pray this morning your hand upon your people, Lord. Bless their day today. Father, as we commit ourselves this week to fast and pray, we pray, Lord, this morning that, Father, you will prepare our hearts for that that we intentionally seek you this work, that you could do a great and mighty works in our life, in our families, in our marriage, in our relationships with our children, in our workplace, wherever it is. Father, tend to the soil of our own heart. If we don't become a hardness of heart, but our heart would be softened to the things you desire and that that would pour into every area of our life. But you, you, told, you know everything about what I ever did and whatever we did. And then God first sold up the world. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.